going to uh, continue on in uh, a study, um, a course that we call the Gospel of the Kingdom. And what we're talking about, in effect, is you'll get these terms, the, the kingdom of God. Uh, and I think what it does when we understand it, uh, it gives us a great way to sort of hold the entire Bible in context, sort of what's going on, why it happened, how it happened, what it means, how it works out, and that um, it's, it's good for us to have something in place, like a framework of some sort that helps us hold all these things together. And, and I, I just think of uh, understanding the, the kingdom of God is very helpful in that whole process. So we're, we're sort of going to work through it over, I don't know, four to six weeks, uh, some ideas that happen. And last week, we, uh, we gave an intro on the kingdom of God. The course is online. Um, all the studies are there if you're an online student. We have a, I always like to say that we do have a Bible Institute, 104 courses available. They're all free. You can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree if you want, or you can just take courses and learn. That's the neat thing about a free institution like that is that happens as of right now, today, we have 603 students uh, in our Bible Institute from all over the world, which is kind of interesting, and uh, many of them are really plugging along, which is cool, because they have desires to do ministries all over the world. It's great to see, or they're already involved at some level, and they want to learn, so uh, very exciting. But uh, so the kingdom of God, uh, we talked about this last week. This is our second week, uh, and so what we did last week, we sort of um, got a working definition of the kingdom. Uh, and whenever you read about the kingdom of God in the Scripture, uh, it's, it's talking about the authority, the rule, and the reign of God. There may be some secondary meanings and some other meanings behind. But So when you read Scriptures like, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, what are we seeking? His rule, His reign, His authority in our lives. That's what it's all talking about. When Let your kingdom come. Uh, we're, we're praying, Lord, let your reign, your rule, and authority come. Uh, let it all happen. Let it come. So um, that gives us, um, I think, it helps us to sort of have that idea of what's being talked about when we talk about the kingdom of God. And, um, and then, you know, towards the end, I, I, I talked briefly about the idea that the kingdom is here um, because Jesus has come, but it's not fully here. And, and you may not have heard me say that, but I will talk more about that in the weeks ahead. Um, but, but so th the kingdom is here because Jesus has come. When he returns on his second coming, then he will fully establish the kingdom. It will be consummated then. It's inaugurated now. So we live in this tension. That's what I talked about last week of the now and the not yet. And that's the time where they're in. Between when he inaugurates it and when he consummates it is the distance between his first and second coming. And so um, we're living in that tension. And that's very helpful for us to understand because you'll read verses that say that the kingdom is here, and then we'll read verses that say the kingdom is future. How can it be both? Well, that's how. The kingdom is here in part, but it's not fully here yet. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go. Um, Matthew 12, 28, I think, is the first verse. And this will sort of help us with this concept a little bit, I think. Um, but uh, Jesus said, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you kingdom of God is his rule, his reign, his authority. So if he's driving out spirits, um, by the, by, uh, driving out demons by the spirit of God, then the reign, the rule, and authority has come upon you. And so I, I want to start today, I want to take that verse, I want to look at it in context, and then I sort of want to talk about the, um, 
the enemy a little bit. I don't like talking about the evil one much, but we need to know how he fits into the scheme of things. And, uh, and so we'll get a look at that, and um, we'll talk about the little K kingdom of darkness as well and what that means and what the impact is on us today. So let's look at Matthew 12, 22 through 30. Uh, then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So there we get a, a little bit of picture of the enemy and things that he's doing. But let me talk about some stuff um, here about these two kingdoms. So the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one are, are not in any way equal. Um, so, so God is and always has been all-powerful. He is omnipotent. And even though the evil one rebelled against God, he was never any sort of real threat to all-powerful, almighty God. Second Chronicles 20, verse 6, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. So, um, when we talk about the two kingdoms, which we'll talk a little bit, the, the end result of the conflict that exists is certainly not in question. And here's something that, that I, I think I want you to really kind of take in a little bit. The battle that continues is not between God and the evil one. It's between the evil one and the people on the earth. The evil one uh, is not now and never has been a match for God ever. And, and when he acted up, God just kicked him out of heaven in a flash. That was, the, that was how it worked. Okay? In Luke 10, 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And, and so, um, you know, that verse records Jesus' commentary in his pre-incarnate state about the evil one being kicked out of heaven. So, so I want to begin to set that. And I, and I, I said something, and I, I want to just roll back to make sure you're here. So the, the battle that we're in is not a battle between God and the enemy because he's already, that battle's won. That's done, one and done. Kicked out of heaven, one and done. Um, the, the battle that exists is between the enemy and the, the people on the earth. That's where the battle lies right now. And I want to explain that a little more because it really helps to understand some things. So when you think about these two kingdoms, um, don't, don't think that they're in any way equal. The, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of darkness is here. God's won. There's no discussion on the outcome. It's already been done. But a battle continues between the enemy and the people on the earth. Luke 10, 1 through 20. Um, 
I want to read you this verse in context as well, that verse that I just read you about the enemy being kicked out of heaven. Verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. And if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we will wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been formed, performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will hurt you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So here's what's going on in context. Jesus sends out the 72. Remember, so the way Jesus did ministry was, was he had these people who were traveling with him. He had the disciples and he had some other people that were kind of going with him from place to place. And Jesus would demonstrate the kingdom of God. And he would pray for people and people would be healed. And he would, you know, he would minister to people. And you see all along in the gospels how he stops and he hears and he talks and he trained these people to do that. And then what he did was he sent them out to go and do it. He said, now you go out and do what I've been showing you to do. I've given you authority to go and do the exact same thing. And then he said, now come back and we'll talk about it. And, and so they would come back and they would check in. And, and, you know, if he needed to help them a little longer or help them differently, he would give them some more instruction and off they would go again. But they came back um, from their ministry in the towns that, that they, and they told Jesus they were excited because they'd been a part of the kingdom of God ministry of casting out demons. That, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What he's telling them is that he had, in fact, seen the evil one kicked out of heaven uh, when Jesus went in his pre-incarnate state. So he had seen the Father's absolute power over the enemy. And, and when God said that the enemy had to get out, uh, he had to go, like lightning. That was it, gone in a flash. It was never a question, just get out, boom, he was done. Um, and so what Jesus is saying is since God could, could so quickly and easily expel the enemy that they shouldn't be surprised that under his authority, under his reign, under his rule, they could cast out demons uh, in, in, in him. So um, the disciples, remember they had seen the power of the enemy displayed throughout their lives. But, but now they, they were rejoicing in their awareness of a far greater power in the kingdom of God. So when, when Jesus comes... Um, 
he's, he's bringing light into a situation that was primarily darkness. And all of a sudden, they're starting to see things happening, and they're being exposed to this amazing, uh, uh, you know, reign, rule, authority of God. And, and all of us need to get that, that there's something in this, that, that God is the creator and that the enemy is just a creation. So, so we need to understand that and hold it in tension. Okay, it's very important. So then people always say, well, um, well, couldn't God just put a stop to the enemy since he cast him out of heaven? Why did he just put him out altogether? And here's what happens is that the enemy has been permitted by God to rule over the kingdom of darkness and all the people who love the darkness. Pretty fascinating. John 3.19, this is the verdict Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So what's, what's going on is that for a time, the enemy ha- has been given permission to rule over anyone that's not submitted to God. Um, and, and so if we're not submitted to God in, in Christ, um, then um, if we haven't come under His rule, His reign, His authority, then by default we are a part of the kingdom of darkness. See, and that's, that's you know, as, as people that are part of the kingdom of God, which is really good, but there's a whole lot of people who just think that they're good enough people that, oh, I'm, good. I'm a good person, I don't, you know, and, and yet there's, there's not options. Um, you're either in the kingdom of God or by default you're not, you know, because if you haven't chosen to be in it, you're not in it. Well, then, you know, people would say, well, why is that why is that, that way? The, one of the most amazing things about God is that, you know, He created us so that we could be in relationship with Him. Uh, and, and everything about God is, is love like that. But He wants us and has wanted us to be able to choose whether we wanted to be in relationship with Him as well. It couldn't just be one-sided. He wanted people who wanted to be in relationship with Him to love Him back. So He, he gave us, all of us, the opportunity to choose. And all of us chose to go our own way at some point. And yet he's made a way for us to be restored and reconciled in the process. But, but if, if there was never an option, would people um, really choose to love God? Or, or, you know, he wants people that choose to love him, who decide to love him, who make that choice to love him for who he is. And, and so um, that's what's taking place right now. People are choosing whether or not they want to be in relationship with God and love him or not. That's, that's really what's going on in this whole thing. The enemy is busy trying to keep them from not going in that direction. Jesus has come so that everybody can see what was happening. He demonstrated the kingdom. He's demonstrated the love of God. It's apparent to anyone who wants to see it. And, and everybody has the option to choose. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So, so the, the prayer is, the instruction is, you know, we need to continue to do what God has called us to do so that people that are stuck in that darkness will see that it's a trap and will, will come into the light. So, so, so for those of you now who, you know, came into the kingdom at some point. Now, so, so I get this, that, that some of you really 
were probably more predisposed because you, you had parents and stuff leading you in that direction, which is a wonderful thing. Um, or, or, you know, family moving you in that direction. But you still had to come to a place in your own where you decided that you were going to follow Jesus all in. You had to do that. Others of us who didn't have that background um, and who really were trapped in the darkness for periods of time, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful that, that a time came when, when I was able to see the light so that I could make a choice and a change and move from darkness to light. I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how grateful I am. Uh, uh, and, and yet, and so out of that, you know, we want to make sure people have that opportunity. That's why we're called to live this life the way we have. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So um, he's come. He's making another point. The writer of Hebrews is that Jesus has come to make a way for people to be set free because what he did at the cross was what needed for us to be able to be reconciled to God. 1 John five nineteen. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Wow. So, so unless you're in the kingdom because you've come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, everybody else is under the control of the enemy. That, that's the way it works. Um, so, so what's happened is that Jesus at the cross has, has rendered the enemy virtually powerless. He is limited in power to tricks and deceptions and to try and keep the world in darkness. I'm always telling you about his deceptions, how he's trying to steal life from his tricks, his traps, his deceptions. He, he, um, he's been extremely limited at the cross, but he doesn't want anybody to know that. And he's very effective at keeping people stuck and trapped in darkness. And think about how crafty he is and the lies that he puts out and the, and the things that have been spun into play. So, uh, you know, I, I, I routinely have people sort of smirk at me when they find out I'm a Christian because they can't believe anybody in this day and age can still believe in that stuff. And, and I, I always see that as such a deception of the enemy that he's convinced huge groups of people that it's all nothingness, and yet it's the way to life. It's, it's all that there is. So our adversary, well, he's like a roaring lion, the Scripture says, but he's not the roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The enemy is a counterfeit. First Peter 5, 8, 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. So the enemy's like a roaring lion, but he's not. He's like one, but he's a counterfeit. He's a fake. He's trying to keep people blinded to the truth. So what happened is at the cross, Jesus broke the hold the enemy had over death. And, and so before we knew Christ, we were spiritually dead. And that's another thing that people have trouble with. We have to make sure we present it well. But, but until you come to Christ, you are not spiritually alive. He's the only way that you can become spiritually alive. People like to think of themselves as spiritual. I understand that. But apart from Christ, you, you cannot be spiritually alive because we're separated from God by our sin. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom 
of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings over our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. John 8.44, you belong to your father, Jesus said, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So before we're um, born again, reborn, spiritual birth, new birth, birth in Christ, however you want to say it, there are so many different terms for that. But before then, we were spiritually dead. But in Christ, by his work on the cross, we can be set free from the kingdom of darkness, from the captivity of the evil one, and enter the kingdom of God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 2 Peter 1, 4, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, that, that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So, as believers in Christ then, with the hope of eternal life, set free from spiritual death, under the authority, the rule, and the reign of God, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we're to engage in the conflict to help other people find freedom in Christ. And we're to extend to the world the good news of the kingdom of God. So, so see... Once we've come to know Christ, now we're, we have life, now and forever life. I talk about that full and abundant. We're in that life already. But he's called us to be ambassadors, right? All those things that he's called us to. What we're to do is to understand that there's this amazing conflict still in place, not between God and the enemy, but between the enemy and the people who don't know Jesus yet. That's the battle, and we're called to engage in that battle for their sake. Love God love your neighbors. That's the, you know, when you were told what we're supposed to do, love him, love your neighbors as yourself. And I said to you that loving your neighbor as yourself thing is all about um, ultimately wanting people to come into relationship with Jesus so that they can be set free and move into life. That's what we do. That's what the church has been called to. Acts 1.8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proof that he was alive, appeared to them over a period of 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the authority of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you have baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, they're still stuck a little bit in their paradigm they, they were so sure that that's what he was going to do. And, and uh, I, 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 you just wonder if he just doesn't go, wow, again the question? But it's not for you, he says, to know the times, the dates. The Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So when he's going to leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come shortly after that at Pentecost and fill them, and the Holy Spirit is there for them to engage in the conflict. He empowers us. So he doesn't send us into the conflict without being prepared. He empowers us by his spirit to go and live this thing out, which is what we're supposed to be doing. And that as we live this life out, um, 
you know, uh, us doing our best connected with God, aware of the bigger picture that there's a world of people still who don't know Jesus and what that means, that we're, if we have a heart at all, our desire has to be to see them come into the light, to come into the kingdom. That's, you know, that's why we're, we have a mission of one more. That's what it's all about. And, and that's what we're called to. The church sometimes loses sight of that, but picks it back up again. I, like, I'm great. You know, you're, the, you're here because the church has been doing this mission for 2,000 years. It's why we're here. I, I don't know if you ever think about and stop and think about that, but we're sitting in the room loving Jesus today because the church has been faithful to this simple part of the mission for the last 2,000 years. At some level, they've kept this thing going. And, and there's always a remnant of people keeping it going. And, and so we need to be aware of that, that, that you know, this is we're, what we're called to. This is the, what we're engaged in. This is the, the, the battle that we're called to and, and that we're just called to be a part of. And it's to help people come to know that the enemy is real and he's trying to keep them in darkness. And we need to let them know that there's a way out in the light where they can really have life. So that's what's happening in this part. And, and uh, there's more stuff coming. It's very interesting, actually. So... Uh, I hope you keep coming and checking us out on video, and uh, we'll be back next week. But I'm going to end it right there. Thanks for coming. We'll see you soon. That was rather abrupt.